This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. One of the brief introductory word. There are a lot of you that I haven't had a chance to meet. I hope you're visiting, you found us, or you're here with family. My name is Stuart. I'm the bishop of the Upper Midwest Diocese, and I'm based um, here. Our, our diocesan headquarters are based here at Resurrection. All right, let's, let's take some time. If you, if you uh, have a Bible with you, there's Bibles in your chairs there. You can actually get your Bible. We're going to be on, on page 998. We're not going to be there yet, but if you want to go there and have your Bible, you can just have 998 is the, the reference. You can just put your finger there and just hold it for a moment um, because we'll get there in just a couple minutes. But first, I want to tell you about our kitchen cabinet. We have kind of an epic kitchen cabinet. We call it the pre-Civil War cabinet because when we found this amazing piece of furniture, it was hidden under a bunch of claws and stuff in a uh, architectural salvage place in Indianapolis, Indiana. We were told that it predated the 1860s and it was once a wardrobe. We moved it up here to Chicago. It took eight people to move it into our kitchen. We got it in there and it's now a cabinet full of Mrs. Ruck's pottery and plates and lots of stuff. If you were to walk into our kitchen door and you would first see this big, very large, about 10 foot tall, I don't know, about eight foot wide, you would first look and you'd say, oh, that's a cream colored cabinet, maybe kind of distressed. A distressed cream colored cabinet. And if you walk a little bit closer, you'd look at it. Again, you'd go, oh, wait a second. No, there's like sage green underneath the cream color. And you begin to realize it's supposed to be a very old cabinet with a lot of layers of paint. And if you're really getting interested, you might go up there and look at it right up on it. You might even kind of feel it. And you go, oh, wait, there's, there's cherry wood. The original wood that's underneath the sage paint that's underneath the cream paint. And if you're especially curious and maybe even nosy, you might open it up and feel the doors and now to engage more senses than just your sight and see how thick those doors are. Approaching this cabinet for many of us is, is how we end up approaching Christmas. When we first sort of come into Christmas, however that works for you and your traditions or customs right after Thanksgiving or whatever it is, what we see, like when we see the cabinet first, is we just see a layer of paint. And for us, Christmas, it's a phenomenon in itself, is it not? And we have family customs and cultural traditions, and they're like layers of paint that we put on the cabinet, and they're not bad. Paint amplifies something. It, 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 can, it can help to, to customize something, but it isn't the thing itself. So we lay on the layer of paint from music, so whether it's Bing Crosby or Michael Bublé or King's College Singers, we've got lots of Christmas music happening. Put on the layer of paint. All right, then we have our Christmas movies. Right? I mean, human beings fall into three categories. It's really simple. Sociologists know this. There's those who love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer best. Right? Those who love It's a Wonderful Life best. And those who love Elf. That's how you understand humanity. Right there. Three categories of people. And it's a layer of paint on Christmas, isn't it? And then we have the food the customs, the traditions. But if you, go, if you come closer up to Christmas, because you're curious, maybe even why you come to church on Christmas Eve, 
You go, wait a second. I want to see the wood underneath the paint. In the case of Christmas, not the wood of a cabinet. I want to see the wood of the manger. I want to get closer to Christmas than just the music and the food and the customs. And if you come into the manger and you look even more closely, you will find in the manger a newborn. And if that newborn's anything like the newborns that Kath and I had the privilege of raising, they don't stay in mangers very long. If you look at that newborn, that newborn's probably in the arms of a young Jewish mother named Mary. who gave birth as a virgin to Jesus, the Son of God. And you go beyond her arms and you see Jesus himself. And now we're not just looking, now we're not just seeing. Now if we're willing, on Christmas Eve, we contemplate. Who is this Jesus? The Son of God. Who is this Jesus behind all the veneer and paint and all those things, what goes to the very heart? And we understand that is the incarnation of God, that God the Father sent Jesus the Son to be fully human. And at the heart of that is a sacrifice. And at the heart of Christmas is the sacrifice of the Father to send his Son. It was not something done in some unfeeling, mechanical way, but it was a father's heart who sent a son, and a son who in his very incarnation sacrificed for us, gave himself up for us. And if we will contemplate that, we will contemplate the secret of the Christian life. We will contemplate the secret of the Jesus life, and that secret is this. At the heart of all things, at the very heart of who God is, is sacrifice. Is giving himself up for us so that we can give ourselves up for others. Are you lacking a sense of purpose? Is being Crosby just not taking you deep enough? Are you a little disappointed, as my grandmother always said? I just don't feel the Christmas spirit this year. If you have that sense of lack, if you have that sense of hunger, come to the heart of the manger. Come to the heart of Jesus, who is the heart that sacrifices for us. Turn now to 998. We'll just be there briefly. Let's do some Bible time together on Christmas Eve. This is a teaching from Paul the Apostle. In it, he teaches about the sacrifice of Jesus. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we too can sacrifice our lives. That's the main theme tonight. It's simple amid your many distractions that happen on Christmas Eve. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we too have the power and the possibility to sacrifice our lives. And let me be very clear with you tonight. The sacrificing of your own life to God and the sacrificing of your own life for others is a freedom that no one can take away from you. The capacity to give your life for Jesus and for others is something that you can always do. There are no circumstances that can keep you from a heart posture 
of giving yourself to Jesus and of giving yourself for others. That's at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's at the heart of God himself. We read this a marvelous short passage in the book of Titus that was somebody that he was writing to. Paul wrote this to his spiritual son, Titus, for the grace of God appeared. It doesn't look like it, but the grace of God is the gift of God. The gift of God is Jesus. This is talking about the incarnation of Jesus. The grace of God appeared. This is about the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus sacrificed not only by dying on the cross, Jesus sacrificed by living. Amen? There were two key sacrifices in the life of Jesus. The birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus. He gave himself for us in both ways. Look at that word, appeared. It's an ancient word. That word is very rare in the Bible. It was far more common in ancient literature, and the word was used for a hero. It would say, a hero appeared. It's a hero word. Now, heroes in the ancient world and heroes today are heroes. Why? Because they don't have the limits we have. A hero is a hero because they're faster than we are or smarter than we are, or they can fly and we can't. It's like fundamental Superman principle. And we're satisfied, at least for two hours of a movie, by a hero who's without limits. It satisfies us because we feel our limits all the time, our sinful limits, our physical limits, our cognitive limits, our health limits. We live with limitation all the time. But not ancient heroes, not Marvel heroes. They're heroes because they're so amazing. But they can do nothing for us. They're good for a movie and nothing else. They're good for a moment of entertainment, but the fact of the matter is when the movie is over, you're just as much a limited, sinful, needy, hungry human being as you were before it started. Maybe more agitated, because you can't fly. Uh, Jesus isn't a hero like that. Here's the kind of hero Jesus says when he appears, here's what he does. He is fully God, and yet he limits himself He's the hero with limitations, not without limitations. He takes on the limitations of being a human being. He actually wants to live exactly as we live, yet without sin. So he lives hungry. He lives thirsty. He lives exhausted. He lives pressured. One of the early church thinkers, Athanasius, who thinks a lot about the incarnation, says he, too, as a human, lives with the limits of the human condition. Is he any less God? He's no less God. He's fully God. He's fully man. But Athanasius says he took on the limitation of even not knowing the future. He says there's things my father knows that I don't know. As a self-limiting, heroic measure. What if heroism isn't being able to fly, but what if Christian heroism is limiting ourselves as well? What if Christian heroism is actually sacrificing ourselves for others, not impressing people? with a cape on our back. What if that's heroism? What if that's the heart of Christmas? It is. It is. That's the heart of the incarnation. It's that God doesn't want to impress us for two and a half hours of CGI. 
No, no, no. He doesn't want to impress you. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to empower you. He wants to give you a purpose. So as he sacrificed his life, so he wants to sacrifice for you. Two sacrifices. Near the end of that passage, look at that in Titus there. Near the end, it talks about him giving himself up for us. You see that in verse 14? He gave himself up for us to redeem us. Here's the second sacrifice. The first sacrifice is the birth of Jesus. The second sacrifice is the death of Jesus. And be absolutely clear, for Paul, even in this little teaching, they are completely connected because the body on the cross is the same body as the baby in Bethlehem. The body on the cross is the same body as that baby in Bethlehem. The crucifix is such an important Christian symbol because there it shows us Jesus' body, his self-limited body to redeem us. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. So if Jesus does so, we then also may do so. He who become human, now for us as humans, gives us the opportunity to live the same purposeful life, to live the same full life, to live the same rich life. Another early church thinker put it this way. Jesus Christ, in his infinite love, has become what we are in order that he may make us entirely what he is. He has become what we are that he may make us what he is. The Son of God, no, that's not what this early church thinker was saying. But what he was saying is we can become those who live godly lives. We can live those who are full of godliness. The two sacrifices that the human person can also live. The first sacrifice is this. That before we give up our lives for others, we give up our lives to Jesus. He came to redeem us. He came to save us. Christians often use a kind of shorthand. We talk about getting saved. Have you been saved? It's a great phrase and one that we have no shame about here at Church of the Resurrection. So tonight, I just put to you, are you saved? Have you made that first sacrifice? For he who sacrificed everything for you. Do you understand that because Jesus sacrificed for you, the way that you connect with him, the way that you take him into your life, the way that you come to know Jesus is that as he sacrificed, so you now sacrifice your life. You, you imitate him, if you will. You could give your life up to Jesus. You could be rescued by him by giving your life to him. That's the first sacrifice, the first freedom that every human being has a decision to make. If you have not sacrificed your life by giving it to Jesus, by inviting him into your life and into your heart, there are many pastors that are around here. You'll see us in collars. 
please, this evening, talk to one of us. Talk to somebody who you came with who knows Jesus and talk to them about making that sacrifice, about starting your life anew by receiving the power of Jesus, receiving the sacrifice he gave for you by in your own miniature way, in your own small way, sacrificing your life for him. That's renouncing ungodliness that Paul talks about there in verse 12. That's being trained. And then as we do that, we then have a life story ahead of us that is completely populated by the call to sacrifice our lives for others. And it is not onerous. It is sometimes trying. It is sometimes greatly challenging. But the secret of Christmas and the secret of the Jesus life, and there are many here who have a testimony about this, is that's actually where you find your joy. It's where you get closer to Jesus by sacrificing for others. Paul gives four examples right before this passage that we're looking at of young men and how they sacrificed their lives, of young women and how they sacrificed their lives, of older men and how they sacrificed, and older women and how they sacrificed, that all can sacrifice their lives is the point that he's making right before this. So let me conclude tonight with an, a Christmas story. Christmas is time for stories. It's a kind of, it's a wonderful gospel life. It's not quite Frank Capra. Jesus directed this story. It's a true story. It's about a man named Jimmy Lai. L-A-I is how Jimmy spells his last name. Right now, Jimmy Lai, 76 years old, is in a prison in Hong Kong, and it's Christmas morning. Jimmy Lai has done nothing wrong or illegal by any international criminal standards. Jimmy Lai is a Christian. Jimmy Lai converted as an adult to the way of Jesus. And Jimmy Lai started a pro-democracy, pro-liberty newspaper in Hong Kong as totalitarian China began to take more and more of the Hong Kong citizens' lives away. Jimmy Lai is one thing that American Democratic senators and American Republican senators can agree on. And they've literally written letters together begging the Chinese government to release Jimmy Lai because it's known across the world that he is unjustly imprisoned. But Jimmy Lai had a choice. He made a choice when he was in his 40s to give his life to Jesus, to give up his life in sacrifice for Jesus. And he converted to Christianity, to Jesus. But then three years ago, he had another major choice, not just to sacrifice to Jesus his life, but to sacrifice for Jesus. Because he was told that within days he would be arrested and put in jail, and he knew exactly what happens to dissidents who are put in jail. And he knew with his billions of dollars, literally he's a billionaire, that all he had to do was buy a ticket to France or the West somewhere and escape the horrors and the terrors of imprisonment. And he said this, if I go away and I abandon the people of Hong Kong and I abandon the calling I've been given by Jesus to speak the truth, if I go away 
I give up God. So he has found the secret of Christmas on this Christmas morning where he is right now. So I love the Christmas movies as much as anyone. I tear up with George Bailey running through downtown Bedford Falls every time. But that's just paint. When you get to the manger, you want to get to the infant, you want to get to the Son of God incarnate, sacrifice as he did. Give yourself up to Jesus and for Jesus. Merry Christmas, family of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.